Ladies and gentlemen, the grumpy old man. I hate Facebook. Also, get off my lawn. We'll be right back to talk about more. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the podcast dedicated to helping you get smarter at recruiting and hiring. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of employer brand and modern recruiting so that you, yes, you, can hire better talent. Isn't that what we're all trying to do? I'm your host, James Ellis, and you can find me on Twitter at The War for Talent. That's at The War for Talent. Or on the Talent Cast website. Got a question? Got a topic? Got an idea? Tweet me. I'd love to hear from you. Ready to roll up your sleeves and think big? Great. Let's get to it. How you doing, James Ellis? The world's worst intro right there. I hate Facebook. I mean, I think I'm okay saying it. It makes me crazy. I have to use it. I think most of us have to use it, and we use it, and we look at it, and we go, oh, God, Facebook. It's, it's Sometimes it's really helpful to create those connections between people, to communicate between groups. There are a number of really useful, valuable groups I'm a member of that I'm thrilled to be a member of, but in general, I hate Facebook. Why? Well, because they make all their money through advertising, and... Ugh, man, advertising's become quite the problem. And Facebook is a great example of why advertising has become a problem. And so let's go beat up on them, shall we? I mean, they're only a couple billion dollar company. I think they can take a little heat from little old me. Uh, So first off, let's talk about ads. And ads just flat out suck. They suck. They suck. Why? Why in this day and age am I getting advertisements for dot matrix printers? As far as I can tell, the only place a dot matrix printer exists is in the gate at an airline or an airport. I don't know why they still use dot matrix. I'm sure there's some valuable reason, but there they are printing out uh, passenger manifests, I guess. I don't know what the hell they're doing over there. Um, But why dot matrix? Why? Uh, They're the only place that uses it. I'm sure there's probably a labeling system or a manufacturing inventory system that still leverages dot matrix printers. But I think we've all moved along to thermo printers, inkjet printers, laser printers, I don't know, pen and paper, right? So why am I getting advertisements for dot matrix printers? What year do you think this is? Why am I getting an ad for industrial ice machines? Why? What? Now, In case you're worried, these are actual things. I'm not making stuff up. On my Facebook, I am getting some of my friends like Amazon. Why you'd like Amazon on Facebook? I'm not quite sure what the the draw there is, but there you go. Because I have friends who like Amazon, Amazon is targeting me as if Amazon doesn't have all my money. I have a four-year-old, for goodness sake. Where else am I going to pay for, you know, everything? Anyway, I'm getting ads for Amazon, and they're sending me products I would never in a million years, not only would I not use, would I not buy, are so laughably absurd as to make things unbelievable. Now, because I'm friends with Person X, Person X isn't looking at dot matrix printers, and that's why I get to see it. Amazon knows who they're showing ads to, and they're showing me related products. Huh? Related to what? What exactly is happening here? We, are, we, we like to look around and think of ourselves in a, in a living in a day and age in which so much information is being tracked about us and advertisers know so much about us that we expect to see commercials that make sense. And when I go off and I watch Hogan's Heroes on my DVR, yeah, I'm coming out of the closet. I like Hogan's Heroes. It's stupid. 
I get it. You don't have to explain it to me. It is the dumbest sitcom ever. The conceit is thin as hell, and yet somehow six seasons of this magic. I don't know. I can't explain it. Anyway, when I go to DVR Hogan's Heroes, and I'm watching it on my semi-local cable company, and I have to look at commercials that are not targeted, it's nothing but lawyers because, you know, it's Hogan's Heroes. Who the hell, what other idiots watching Hogan's Heroes but someone who has nothing better to do with their lives? I get the irony. I get it. But, you know, that's the world we used to live in, in which we just got pushed these ads and we were randomly seeing messages are like nine times out of 10 or more importantly or more likely a 99 times out of 100 they didn't matter to us and we kind of let them glance off us you know water off a duck's back so to speak but in this day and age it's shocking when we see ads that don't make sense and it's not just the digital ads it's the ad industry here's my favorite I am not, and this is not me bragging, and this is not me complaining, though there's certainly cause for certainly one of those. I have been a longtime AT&T customer. Why? Well, they had an iPhone 10 years ago, and they were the only ones who had the iPhone 10 years ago, and I wanted the iPhone. So guess what? Bam, AT&T customer. So if you're wondering why they spent so much money for the exclusive contract for the iPhone, hi, how you doing? Um, and I can't get out of it. I, I, whether I wanted to or not, every couple years I go, maybe it's time to look for another carrier. And eventually they drag my ass back in. Why? Because I keep buying these stupid iPhones every two years. Why? Because Apple makes it such that the battery's pretty much dead in two years, so I have to buy another iPhone, right? It's a scam. The game is rigged. I get it. Anyway, I have bought iPhones every two years since, I mean, I've had like five or six of these. My family, my wife has probably four or five of them now that we've been married for a long time. My kid has my old ones, so she's now indoctrinated into the iPhone life um, when she plays whatever penguin game she wants to play uh, when it's time for her to get her nails cut because that's how you distract a four-year-old who doesn't want their toenails cut. Welcome to my world. Anywho, this is going to be a long podcast. Can you tell? Enjoy your long run, kids. I have bought nothing but iPhones from AT&T, and yet somehow every three months I get a flyer from AT&T saying, hey, new Android phones are out, new Google phones are coming out, do you want these? I just paid a metric ton of cash for two iPhones. I'm still feeling the pinch on the wallet there for two brand new iPhones, and you're like, yeah, yeah, go ahead and throw on a Google phone because I have nothing else that's Googly in this, in, this, in this entire house. You think you understand me. Yeah, you're, meanwhile, they probably spent money on the paper, on the postage, on the, the advertising agency who came up with this crap. Advertising sucks. It just sucks. And I don't, I'm not even going to couch my words there. What happened to the digital age? What happened to knowing enough about us? There's a study that came out this summer that says they did, a, they did three different studies and they randomly tested the targeting of generalized advertising spaces, meaning Facebooks and Googles and other systems that think they know, hey, I want to reach women between the ages of 25 and 27. Great, here's your list of women between the ages of 25 and 27. And so they validated those numbers. Turns out, if you buy a list from a gender list, if you buy a list of all men or all women, you're only right 42% of the time, 42.3% of the time to be particularly accurate. That means if I gave you a list of people and I said they're all men and you flipped a coin, you'd be more accurate. These, how much money are we spending on these lists? How much money are we spending on this targeting that tells us, oh yeah, we're going to fine tune your customers to know exactly who you're, dot matrix printers. The company that keeps sending me ads for car insurance don't own a car, right? 
You're telling me that we, we were in the nirvana of digital advertising. And to be fair, I have spent a lot of time saying, look, I don't mind being advertised to so long as you do it right. So long as you pitch me products I might ever reasonably be expected to use. I think I talked about the bag company who will remain nameless at this stage, who I bought a suitcase from five years ago and bought a backpack from right before my birthday in September. And I got ads one or two a day after I bought that backpack, as if I'm going to get a backpack every other day, like their t-shirts or underwear, that there's something I'm buying a lot of. Why you think I'm buying underwear all the time? I don't know. It's just something that came along with t-shirts. That was my head. What are you going to do? Who buys backpacks and luggage every couple of days or every couple of weeks? Are they disposable to you? My backpack's going to live forever. My luggage is going to live forever. That's why I pay for it, right? That's why it's not junk. I'm not spending a lot of money on it, but my goodness, I'm not buying trash bag level suitcases here. They're not disposable. The marketing, or the, I'm sorry, the advertising mentality that says, okay, here is a list. I'm going to take my wiffle bat and I'm going to smack them about the head as hard as I can and as often as I can until they either say, fine, take my damn money or, oh my God, go away and I'm going to sue you to make you go away. Or I'm going to pass laws to make it illegal for you to spam me even when I unsubscribe. And by the way, that bag company, I unsubscribed from them five times. And I finally had to go on Twitter to raise a stink about it before they actually had to go back and actually nuke my account from space, I guess. Wow. So back to Facebook. Why? Well, because Facebook and Google are the two-headed gorilla of advertising. For year upon year upon year, advertising has grown, right? Except it hasn't. Advertising that is not Facebook and Google has declined. Advertising that is Facebook and Google has grown more than they've declined and beyond that. So all the growth in the numbers that say advertising this year has grown to blah, 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 billion, it's all in Facebook and Google's pocket. All of it. All the growth is there. In fact, beyond that, because they're squeezing the hell out of everybody else's advertising, because if you're trying to reach people, Facebook is well known for having great targeting. Google's well, well, Google's a whole different ballgame. We'll talk about them in a second, but I want to talk about Facebook for a second. Man, the coffee is good today. I just had that moment of, I am really going at it, aren't I? Mm, Good podcast. Sorry, everybody. Facebook is famous for having great targeting. I want to reach only 47-year-old women who are Asian of ethnicity who, um, I don't know, like Bust Magazine, right? And uh, the marvelous Miss Maisel. There's, there's, there's got to be an audience like that. I mean, there's got to be an audience. There's got to be a couple hundred, maybe even a couple thousand people who fit that description. And Facebook is well known for being able to provide those people. Why? Because all of us idiots, we go on Facebook and we say, these are the bands we like. These are the TV shows we like. These are the movies we like. These are the companies we like. This is our age. This is our birthday. These are all of our friends. This is our, you know, hell, they've got video uh, face recognition, so they have a good sense of what our uh, ethnicity is, at least according to these apps that show us. Um, they have all this information, and so they they... Tell us how great it is to be able to reach just those people. And the pitch, of course, is so you don't waste your advertising dollars. And I literally did one of those head shifts things that got me all sneaky feeling. Yeah, it's bullshit. It is absolute and total bullshit. On Besides the fact that advertising on Facebook for jobs is complicated because the, the age issue um, is still unresolved. We still don't exactly know what is and isn't allowed, a la can you push an ad out to people between certain ages, does that constitute um, age discrimination? 
does it matter if it's a non-dark uh, ad or if it is a dark ad? Does it matter? No one knows because no one's actually gotten sued over it. No one's actually gotten, uh, no one's had a court case decided on this yet. And of course, by the time that happens, we will be long since past this issue and it won't matter because the court cases take forever in this country to deal with and Facebook just keeps grinding out new ways to take your cash. Anywho, why is Google different? Well, because Google is based purely on keyword and the concept is intention versus demographics. Facebook tells you, hey, we can reach that that 47-year-old woman who likes that show and that magazine and who is this kind of thing, who's married or not married, who has kids or doesn't have kids, whatever, versus Google says, I can help you reach people looking for things and are trying to do something. So if I search backpack reviews, going back to this backpack thing, um, I should expect to get ads that say, oh, you're looking for a backpack, are we? Let me show you some great backpacks that I sell. And I get that ad because that's what I'm looking for and people pay for that ad and bid for that ad because they say, here is someone actively looking. This isn't in a, this isn't in a top of the way, super high end of the funnel, passive candidate kind of thing. These are people actively searching for a thing, right? That There's value in that. Now, not everything is transactionable. If I'm looking for a house, you'll notice, and you go Googling for houses, you don't see an ad for a house. There is not an ad for 427 West whatever street, apartment four. There's not an ad for that. There is an ad for realtors. There's an ad for uh, Zillow's and Redfin's and, and real estate companies who want to bring you in to show you one of those houses because that's transactional. That's something that's like, okay, I can do something with that now. But getting me interested in something that I will take action on in six months is not where Google ads live. That's not what they do. They're very transactional. So it's a whole different ballgame and they're messy and complicated like everything else in this life. So we're not talking about that. We're talking purely in the, because I know your ex, I'm gonna show you why. Because I know you're a 47-year-old woman, I'm gonna show you this ad for whatever the hell. Now, besides the fact that studies are showing that the targeting is, is, is faulty, let's not forget that Facebook, Facebook deletes 1.3 billion accounts every six months. Why? Not because they're naughty, but because they're fake. Why does that matter here? Well, there's the ad buyer, such as yourself, who buys an ad because you're reaching a certain person, and then you're paying for those ads because of who clicks on the ads. Now, who you're pushing the ads out, that's a targeting question, and I've already kind of poked some holes in it and say, hey, that's kind of problematic, and it's problematic everywhere. Why am I getting the dot matrix printer ad, right? The other side is if you're paying, let's keep the number simple, a dollar. Every time someone says, ooh, seize your job ad because you've targeted them and they actually are the thing you're targeting and they click on that ad. There's a lot of assumptions in that sentence, right? And they click on that ad, you pay a dollar. Now, I've been in the website, long, website world long enough to know that every time I s talk about metrics on the website, there's someone in the room who makes the joke, yeah, I know, because you know, when I say the, the traffic went up 23% or 2% or 0.3% or whatever, they all say, well, because you stayed up all that time staying up late clicking on that ad or clicking on that link really paid off. Everybody makes that joke. I've been doing this for like, God, when did I learn Google Analytics? Like 12, 15 years ago? Every somebody, everybody makes that joke. It's right up there with the person at the cash register who said, oh, there's no price on this. I guess that means it's free. It's that level joke, right? Can we let that one go? Can we just, we're good. We The joke's been played. Let's put a 20 year moratorium on it and then we can make that joke later. Sounds good? Okay, good. We can all play along then. Everybody makes that joke. But if you're moving traffic, 
you assume if it says 100 people clicked on that ad, 100 actual people saw that ad, saw something interesting in that ad, were the kind of person you only targeted, so many assumptions, and decided that's interesting, I'm gonna click on the ad, and they click on the ad, and then you give Facebook a dollar. That's the game. So if the targeting is wrong and you're pushing your ads not to 47-year-old women, but to 18-year-olds, that's not good. Because I'm guessing if you're trying to target a 47-year-old woman, woman for whatever reason, 18-year-old men or, men or women is not who you're looking for, right? Maybe 75-year-old men, not who you're looking for. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just not who you're looking for. They're not gonna be interested in the ad you have. And you are showing that ad in the hopes that you get someone interested. So you know if you're only talking to 47-year-old women, you can use certain language. You can use certain messages. You can use certain pitches. You can use certain images that you think are more likely to attract the 47-year-old woman. So far, so good? Fantastic. But if you can't get enough of this stuff, I have some news. You can bring the James Ellis experience to your event or company. Just go to jamesellis.us and learn about all the kinds of custom presentations I can build and deliver for you or your team. But if it's time to get some hands-on help with your employer branding, recruiting, and hiring, either from the ground up or some strategic support, I would love to help. Just reach out to Proactive Talent or ProactiveTalent.com. That's where I work, and we can help you hire better. Cool? Cool. All right, let's get back to it right? Here's what you do. You want to attract a 47-year-old woman? You might make a reference towards Tori Amos, but not make a reference to murder she wrote, because that's the demographic, and not make a reference to Cardi B, who is apparently a singer, because I'm old, right? You're focusing on that age range. You're focusing on that demographic. You're trying to grab their attention, and if you don't know what their age range is, and you've been told you do, that ad that references Tori Amos, I don't know, and I didn't come up with that one ahead of time, and that should be abundantly clear, everyone, thank you, that the, when they see that Tori ad reference, they go, oh yeah, that sounds like me, or oh, that, that sounds like my sort of thing, and they click on the ad. Obviously, Tori Amos has nothing to do with this. So many things going wrong. If you're killing 1.3 billion ad accounts, ask yourself the question, why on earth would anyone make or allow them to be make 1.3 billion fake accounts every six months? Ad fraud. Yeah. Those things that say if you click on this ad, you get an, uh, uh, an affiliation credit or click on this ad to do this thing or you can get this free thing. It's just all that stuff is ad generated. Things, bots are clicking on everything. And Facebook, even though it's killing 1.3 billion accounts, is actually incentivized, if you think about it, to let those accounts go. The more things that click your ads, the more you pay. You're not paying because they applied, though you do have the opportunity to do uh, cost per acquisition, not cost per click, which may be the thing to do. But frankly, with the mess of the, most ATSs and most recruitment marketing systems, the pass-through credit might be impossible to manage, so you can't. So in the world of, of cost per click, Facebook's incentivized to let any person or machine click stuff. Why? Because every time they click, you have to pay a buck. No one cares if that person or thing that paid a buck or you, that clicked for whom you paid a buck did anything worth that buck. Now take a look at the metrics around ads. Impressions, clicks, awareness. Where's the money? 
Because in the end, in the old school model, the old joke of half of my advertising is wasted, I just don't know what half. You knew half of it was, was wasted, but you could look at the bottom line to see because I advertised, there was a higher level of growth. And maybe you could A-B test and say, I'm going to turn off my ads for a month and see what happens to my inbound leads and see what happens to my conversion rates and see what happens to uh, the number of closures I make and see what happens to my audience. And you can say, okay, clearly with advertising running, I get this much lift. Therefore, I know what to pay for it. Boom. This is what advertising agencies are supposed to pay, help you understand right? They're supposed to help you say, okay, we should advertise on Instagram, but not Facebook or Facebook, but not Instagram as if they're not the same thing because of blah, 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 blah. And we'll make sure you're not overspending. Now, again, it's the ad agency's problem or they're incentivized to make sure everything clicks. They love it when you click because they are reporting on impressions and clicks, not on business lift. Most ad agencies don't always have a lot of uh, visibility into actual business lift. They only see number of leads and qualified leads and warm qualified leads. They just see clicks and stuff. Your market, your metrics are wrong. It's a mess. And all this stuff costs you money. We could spend three minutes talking about Mark and Cheryl, the gruesome twosome that run Facebook these days, or at the moment, as it were. Um, who not only are so insecure in this model they've built that generates, that literally prints cash. It quite literally prints cash. They have so much money and so much power and so much influence over the market. They control, if you, if you look at, listen to Scott Galloway, he talks about it, name a person for whom roughly 1.3, 1.4 billion people hear and listen to because they control that channel. There's not a country of that size. India's not even that. The China's not that big yet. They control all that audience. They can turn off and on in a heartbeat. They can push messages or whatever. They have been shown that by turning knobs one way or the other, they can control and sway political outcomes. And yet no one seems to have any oversight. Oh, and no, by the way, when the newspaper reports on them, it turns out they've been funding uh, uh, smear campaigns against people who disagree with them. That's, funding a smear campaign is the sort of thing insecure people do. People who feel confident and knowing they're doing the right thing do not do that. But we'll let somebody else get into that. And by the way, if you want to listen to Pivot, that's a great podcast. Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway do a fantastic job ripping that stuff apart better than I can. I'm just going to you know, steal their, their, their couple of quotes there. Uh, that's the best I can do. I highly recommend that podcast. But anyway, 20 minutes in and I'm going to reach my real point. Not that Facebook sucks, but that advertising is a freaking mess. It's a mess. Now, my friend Ryan Altifer, who uh, runs a or is building a uh, ad agency, who I and I, he's a great guy, and I want him to succeed. He and I had a great conversation uh, a couple weeks ago where I said, "You understand that best case platonic ideal for what employer brand does, i.e., what I do, is to make advertising unnecessary, completely put you out of business." And he giggles and chuckles. He's like, "Yeah, I know." but that's never going to happen. I said, I know. <laughs> you know, we're at odds with each other because my job is to get a message so compelling. I don't need to remind you with an ad that this company exists and they have something to offer you from a professional satisfaction standpoint. 
However, businesses being businesses, being i.e. being messy and not always knowing left hand, not always knowing what the right hand's doing, and you know, business leaders suddenly realize, oh, we're gonna op- open an office in Topeka. We need 500 people in Topeka. We've never been to Topeka before, but we need to have, have that office open in three months. Can you hire 500 people for our office in Topeka? Thanks, bye. And the recruiting manager goes, and that happened. Does that sound familiar to some people? I bet it does. That's just how businesses work. You're never going to fix that. It's always going to be a mess. And so in cases like that, yeah, I guess you're going to have to spend some ad money because you need the the juice right now. Advertisement is the nitro to your marketing campaign. And the real message I want to say is not that advertising sucks, though I think it does half the time. It's that advertising and marketing are not the same. And a lot of people in our space have forgotten that. How do I know? Oh, we need some ad. We need to get some employer brand. Let's put some ads out. We need to get some recruiting happening. So we let's let's put some ads out. The recruitment marketing budgets. If you look at most of them, they usually go. Here's a whole chunk of change to LinkedIn because I need to pay for my recruiter seats, right? And yet, usually falls under recruitment marketing budget. Usually, sometimes, the re- the next big spend is ads. And whether that's ads within platforms like Indeed or LinkedIn, or ads pushed to at job boards, or Facebook, the next big chunk is ads. And we say, okay, we need more marketing, therefore we buy more ads. And I'm here to tell you, though hopefully I'm not the first to do so, maybe I'm just here to remind you, advertising is not marketing. Marketing is not advertising. Advertising is a component of marketing. So when you say we need better marketing, what you need is better understanding of your audience, better understanding of their motivations and needs, better understanding of what would compel them to take action, a message that helps them understand how they should take action with you, a distribution channel that puts that message in front of them, planning and strategy that says this is the right time and place to put that message in front of them, i.e. do not pitch them a job ad when they're not looking for jobs or when no one's looking for jobs, right? And a follow-up, a follow-through. Okay, I've got your attention, now what? The answer can't be, hey, I got your attention, here to apply. Wait, I need more information. No, see, that's, that's, that's how a marketing thinks. You have the entire spectrum. Audience, message, channel, follow-through. Boom, 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 boom. That's, that's how a marketer thinks. An advertiser thinks, how do I spam the hell out of people? How do I make it so that people can't not hear my name? Whether they like it or not, that's not my problem. I got impressions and clicks. Positivity and negativity sentiment is not something that concerns me as much, ultimately. Sure, I know I should, and frankly, good advertisers know how important that is. A good advertiser knows that the free beer and pizza ad, when there's no free beer and pizza at the end of it, is not a good win, but most advertisers are about squeezing as much money out of you as possible, so consequently, they market the metrics they can control, a la impressions and clicks. Sorry. You want to know what good marketing is? It's not advertising. Though, a lot of examples here, I'm going to throw a couple examples here. Uh, A lot of these examples do have some advertising component. So what do I mean by good marketing? Well, let's start with the obvious stuff. A good piece of storytelling. That New Zealand police video still blows my mind. I'm still blown away by how good that is. There have been a slew of good videos coming out lately. Slew. And they're not just really slick, well-polished videos. 
Some of them are, and that's fantastic. That's fine. Not my cup of tea, but that's that works. If you're trying to do an uplifting story, sometimes a little polish elevates the story. It elevates the message you're trying to do, and that's that may be exactly what you need. More power to you. Go get it. Do it. Make it happen. Good for you. Now again, not my cup of tea. My cup of tea is more on the authentic, credible side. Now, those are two words that are messy and complicated, and I know people who say, oh, the A word, I'm so sick of the authenticity word. I'm like, I get it, I get it. It's one of those words thrown around like strategy and innovation that people think means something, but at this point, we've de devalued the, the word to mean effectively nothing. Um, but so like the Thermo Fisher videos that Skill Scout did, and shout out to my friends at Skill Scout, again, not getting paid by them, but I think the model by which they're helping tell more authentic stories is fantastic. That's marketing. Telling a story that matters to an individual. So when you do a big video, and this is a tangent, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize for a tangent. What's happening? Um, you know, the difference between those videos is that if you put a layer of polish on the video, you're expect, first off, you're spending a lot more money on it. Therefore, the expectations of those videos go up, right? So if you're gonna spend 10, 20 grand on a video, which is not a huge amount of money for some videos, I'm sure you've seen some of these videos, you're like, dang, what was the budget on that Michael Bay feature? 20 grand, 10 grand is a good chunk of change. You expect that it should be something that compels almost everyone to learn more about you or more likely is that you think it's gonna compel everyone to apply, and that's a bunch of bullshit, but whatever, right? You think a great video, that Accenture video, which I mentioned in a podcast or two, the, the diversity one that's fantastic of people holding cards that are written on, it's a great video, and that was literally designed to be seen by a lot of people, and I think the fact that it went viral and got legs, that was just a lucky bonus, but that was clearly meant for any audience to see. That is, any audience, any demographic, any age, any sex, any gender, any uh, ethnicity, any sexuality, what have you. That was a diversity inclusion video, right? I thought was interesting about that diversity inclusion video. They talked about straight white men being, to some extent, a weird group to consider. I mean, they're not underrepresented per se, but they have their own special needs and channels and expectations placed upon them that it's not fair. Not no more, no less fair than anybody else, but it's like, hey, we're all, and I think that was the point of the video is to say, hey, every group has issues. And to say that that group over there, the transgender group, the gay group, the black, brown, whatever group, the women group, the whatever, to say they're the ones with the problems and us straight white males have it all easy, that's not strictly true. Nobody has it easy, but they're different, but everybody has issues and we should embrace that everybody has issues and that's the way we get everybody to an equal playing field. Maybe we can solve some of these issues. Heck, I'm now explaining how a video works. Anyway, that video works for everybody. Heck, that video works for people who get diversity. Its intention, I think, was to work for people who don't believe in the whole diversity thing. It came at it from a completely different angle. That whole inclusion of your standard white male dudes as a diverse group just as much as anybody else, I think was a great attitude and a great direction to take. That video has legs and anybody can see it. But a video designed to attract, let's say, African or black, African American or black women to a entry level data science field. I can absolutely see the case being made. That is not a video that I, James Ellis, 46-year-old straight white male, that's not a video directed at me. 
Not that I'm not allowed to see it, not that I won't get something out of it, but if you know that you're trying to talk to an entry-level African-American black woman, you know you're talking to them. You will speak their language, you will speak their language, and the more you want authentic you can get, you use their models. You use Snapchat and phone video. Why? Because that's what they use. That's how they communicate to each other. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a rapport-building channel. Now, if you spend 20 grand on that, somebody's going to say, why did we spend 20 grand to advertise to this tiny, tiny, tiny little audience? Was it worth it? And maybe there's a case for that. But if it's not, finding a way to communicate via a non-expensive channel like phone videos is a great way to make that case. It's a great way to tell that story to that specific audience. That's marketing thinking. Audience, channel, distribution, message, all that stuff. Boom, 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 boom. That's marketing thinking. Other great marketing. Hey, this is a punch-in. This is a new functionality. I have two minutes I can insert if I need to. I forgot somebody. I had notes I wanted to put in. L'Oreal does this thing. It's really cool uh, where you have questions and answers. Candidates have questions and actual employees answer it. I know that all true does the hosting for the video and does the manage of the video. It's a, it's, I've used it a little bit, uh, demoed it. It's really cool stuff. I don't, again, no money from all true. But again, there's that model of small, it's not a huge glossy polished video it's about focused it's about answering a question it's 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 like quora but it's video it's i have this question about the company what's it like to be a data scientist and someone from the data science team says oh it's like this and this is what my day is and by the way i'm holding my phone so i can spin around my office and you can actually see people's desks and you can see how things go and that's that's really interesting stuff so the ability to be that micro focused that's marketing just as much as the big glossy quote-unquote super bowl video is that's super cool tool just wanted to make sure i inserted that in because i totally forgot thanks back to your other the previous recording tableau if you don't know them as a company all about uh data uh visual visualization meaning they make charts and graphs which has got to be the most dumbass distillation of what they do. They make amazing charts and graphs. Their career site is all about charts and graphs. Look at our people, demographics, breakdowns, and charts and graphs. They're eating their own dog food. These are people obsessed with data. Show it. That's what the company's all about. Show it. In the same way that Sephora is all about women, that's why they attract more women. And that's because they speak more women's languages more easily. Therefore, re self-reinforcing uh, loop there, they attract more women. Therefore, more women show up. Therefore, more women get hired, et cetera, et cetera. If you're all about data, show that you're all about data. If you're all about trees, show that you're all about trees. Attract more tree people, right? That's the trick. I think ThoughtWorks does a great job. It really explains the process. They're famous for having a fairly long recruiting cycle. They want a bunch of interviews. You're going to talk to a lot of people. They make it very easy. Uh, they make it very hard for someone to make it all the way through, and it's quite the minefield getting through. They spell that out, not just, hey, by the way, we're a bunch of assholes who want to make it really hard for you to job, but more of a, look, we're building a culture here. We're trying to do something. That means being super rigorous about our thought process and super rigorous about who we bring in because each new person has impact. Let's hear that. Each new person has impact. That's reinforcing this idea that we're all about people who want to make impact. You're not just saying we're all about impact over here. And by the way, on this side, we're all about inclusion or we're all about whatever. Everything has to align. That's good marketing, right? And to say, here's how, here's what it means for us to be rigid and rigorous about, not rigid, rigorous about our process. Here are all the steps and here's what you can expect and this is how long it takes. They're, they're giving you a sense of what's going on. I think it's a fantastic way to market. 
They're saying where they're, t they're taking a perceived negative, i.e. you take forever to hire someone. And in this day and age of trying to hire developers that speed kills or speed is, is the only way to hire people. And I see that as a valid strategy. But here they're saying, no, no, we're going to slow it down. And that's on purpose. And we think that's valuable. And we're going to tell you why. Fantastic marketing. Uh, here's another stupid piece of marketing that I think is just fantastic. And it aligns with this idea that everybody should eat their own dog food. If your company is about X, your recruiting should be about X because you're hired, hiring people who care about X. All those Xs should be the same thing. Yelp, who I'm sure everybody knows, they're the review company, right? You want to see where the local coffee shop is and what gets a higher rating than others. You want to see what their hours are. It's Yelp all day long. I'm not, again, no commercial for Yelp. Uh, you, whatever. It's, 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 it, the company isn't super famous. It's not super sexy. But you know what I like about it? I like that their career site and all their social channels are called Five Star Careers. Why? Because they're a rating company. And everybody wants to get that five stars. And there they are trying to generate five-star careers. It is a stupid, hokey, slightly cheesy even connection, but they say, this is who we are, and everything aligns through it. That's not advertising, that's marketing. If you have a good story to tell, and you want to push it out, that's where advertising happens. The problem is we don't have a good story to tell. We just spend the money on advertising, so we push job posts to people who don't want them and complain, gosh, marketing and advertising doesn't work. Gosh, I wonder why. Advertising sucks. Some days it's absolutely necessary. Some days advertising on Facebook is absolutely the right way to do it. For my money, and I know I'm biased, I know what industry I work in, I know what I do for a living, I am absolutely 100% biased. I think a better strategy is marketing, not advertising. And that's what I wanted to leave you with today. This is our 99th episode. 99, I can't believe it either. I'm, I have an idea what 100 episodes would look like. I have an idea what the number 100 will be. I'm still rethinking. I'm not sure. I got a week to figure it out, right? Like, actually, I have, I have eight days because this is recording on a Saturday. And I can record up until Saturday, Sunday afternoon if I have to. I can wait till my kid goes to bed and record it Sunday night um, if I have to. But I got like eight days to think about it. So I'm hoping to put out something special for episode number 100 for the triple digits. Uh, to justify the fact that I put a zero in front of all my episode numbers so I could get to 100. Uh, for those of you who've listened to this episode, and presumably you're here because I've, you're still here, uh, and you've listened to anything else, thank you so much for being a fan or a follower or a listener, whatever we want to call this. Thank you so much for being a part of this. If this is useful and interesting, share it out. Tell people. Let people know. Um, I'm completely comfortable being a niche podcast and being famous to 12, 1,500 people. That's totally cool. But if you know someone who's trying to get into employer brand recruitment marketing and wants to get, wants better understanding and better strategies and better thinking, hi, how you doing? My name is James Ellis. I'll record, the, record this podcast just for that. So thank you all for listening. I hope I'm doing you a service by presenting this. I hope you're getting something out of this. I really appreciate the time you spend listening to this crap that comes out of me on weekends, if you can believe it. Um, thank you. I do appreciate it. I'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Well, the music means you've made it to the end of another episode of The Talent Cast. If this was useful to you, do not keep it a secret. Share it with your team. Share it with your boss. Share it with your networks. I don't know. Share it with your mom. Uh, if you have questions you'd like me to answer on a future show or just, you know, general ideas about how to make this thing better, just ping me on Twitter. You know, I'm at The War for Talent. At The War for Talent. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.